Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Life 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about LED lights. Do you have any of those in your home? Yeah, it's almost Christmas, right? So we're starting to put up some Christmas LEDs. Ah, that's right. So one thing I've always wondered is LEDs are supposed to be energy efficient, but they still do get pretty hot. Um, despite using relatively little power. Why is this, especially compared to an incandescent lamp? Well, yes, true. Uh, But you also shouldn't try to touch an incandescent lamp. Uh, You would definitely burn yourself. So an equivalent LED, you know, it gets warm or even hot, but actually it's not even close to an incandescent lamp. Okay, so you're saying they're both uh, somewhat inefficient uh, in that power gets turned into heat, but it is still worse in an incandescent bulb. Exactly. Incandescent bulbs, they give about 14 lumens per watt. Uh, So what that means is they're about like 2% efficient uh, compared to LEDs, which could theoretically generate over 200 lumens per watt. Uh, By comparison, that's 30% efficient. Um, So an LED bulb turns a larger fraction of that power uh, into visible light. So virtually none of the waste energy is is radiated away. uh, And it must be handled by conductive or convective means. So let's take an 11 watt LED, for example, that has that 30% conversion efficiency. Um, So it takes in 11 watts times 0.7. That means 7.7 watts have to be dissipated. So with LED, the idea is to get as much heat away from the emitter as possible. That's why you do end up with a hot casing on an LED light bulb, uh, even though, again, it's not as hot as that of an incandescent lamp. Isn't there a surface area argument as well? Oh yes, that's pretty important too. Uh, LEDs have a much smaller lighting area, uh, like kind of like one square centimeter. Light bulbs, on the other hand, have areas more like 50 square centimeters. So let's back up for a minute and just talk about what an LED is and how does it work. Totally, Uh, it's a great invention. LEDs stands for a light emitting diode, uh, which is actually, it's a semiconductor light source that emits light when current flows through it. So what happens is that electrons in the semiconductor recombine with electron holes, releasing energy in the form of photons. And actually, LEDs were invented back in the 1960s. Uh, And the colors back then, which could be produced in a cheap and efficient way, were red, yellow, and to some extent green. Wait a second. So if they were invented back in the 60s, why have they only become mainstream in the last, I would say, decade or two? That's true. That's true if you think about it. Uh, And there's a reason for that. (laughs) So like I said, the early colors were kind of easy, uh, but it took until the 1990s when a Japanese physicist, Shuji Nakamura, uh, found a way to produce LEDs which emit blue light. So now, now using red, blue, and green LEDs together, you can start mixing these and you get white light, or actually light of any color, actually. Uh, And it took some time for these to come from the lab to the consumer, uh, you know, including things like advancing lifespan and brightness. Uh, so essentially, without these blue LEDs, we weren't able to use LEDs to light a room or in a flashlight. So it didn't become popular until that invention. I see. So it took a blue LED in order for us to get to white. Correct. Correct. The primary method of white LEDs is actually a blue LED surrounded by a phosphor, which emits yellow light when hit with other light. So a white LED is typically made of a blue emitter with a phosphor coating, and that blue light hits the phosphor coating, which in turn fluoresces and emits yellow light. 
Some of that light is simply absorbed through, uh, which ends up heating the phosphor, while some of the blue light also passes through. So your eyes actually see this mixture of blue and yellow light together as white light. You know, this was uh, such an important breakthrough that Nakamura and his co-inventors were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2014 for the invention of the blue LED. So can you explain that a little bit? I mean, why were blue LEDs uh, so hard? And after, you know, we had LEDs of other colors, why was it the blue one that warranted a Nobel Physics Prize? Oh yeah, sure, let's get into the detail. Um, the actual invention of the blue LED was not that complicated and it was not exactly what won a Nobel Prize. So we, what happened was we figured out that adding magnesium to gallium nitrate would make a blue LED pretty early on. We found that out pretty early on. The Nobel Prize was won because the people figured out how to mass produce them. Okay, so the material behind the blue LED, gallium nitride, uh, turns out to be a pain to make. It's a crystal that has to be grown right, and also does uh, really does not like impurities being added to it. It will actually shatter if done wrong. Uh, impurities are important in semiconductor physics, which works much due to doping. It's a process where other elements like magnesium are added to a crystal like gallium nitride uh, or silicon to change their conductive properties. So the Nobel Prize was actually awarded for figuring out how to add the magnesium and other stuff into gallium nitride without shattering it. Uh, and interestingly, gallium nitride has some very good properties otherwise, and it's currently being researched as a replacement for silicon in our computer chips, which will hopefully make them more powerful, more power efficient, uh, and faster. Sil silicon, as you know, is a decent semiconductor that is mostly used because it is easy to manufacture, but gallium nitride would likely have been used if it were easier to handle, which it now is thanks to the work of those researchers. So with semiconductors, you can either turn them on or off, uh, but one of the recent inventions was dimmable LEDs. So how do they work? Mm -hmm. So LEDs aren't really dimmable. Uh, dimming is achieved by actually rapidly turning them on and off. And the dim level is as determined by the ratio of on to off time. It's something called phase control, and done well, your eye just thinks it's dimmer. But it's also the reason why some cheaper LED lights kind of exhibit that uh, flickering or strobing uh, when dimmed with a uh, trailing edge dimmer. It's the same technique that's sometimes used on like old incandescent lamps, uh, but they're nowhere near as responsive LEDs. Uh, they tend to just uh, fade out when uh, power is disconnected. Mm. Now, final question I have for you is with LEDs, they're, they're often marketed as lasting for, say, 24.8 years uh, or something really long. But, you know, uh, how is it that this is calculated for like long life products when clearly they haven't <laughs> been testing them in a lab for that long? Yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, not because some time traveler came back and told us that LEDs last that long. It's uh, done through some extrapolation uh, and some math. So the lifespan for an LED bulb is actually measured in hours of use combined with on-off cycles, uh, not years. Uh, primarily, we're concerned with hours of use, which is almost always a limiting factor, uh, but on and off cycles do have some effect as well. So, you know, there's a, so then there's a set standard of hours per day that a bulb is you know, expected to perform. Uh, for example, let's say three hours per day and a number of cycles, let's say two cycles per day. And then you basically can scale that up uh, into years. So from these numbers, you get what's called a mean 
time to failure, <laughs> which is basically just a fancy way of saying, on average, how long will this bulb last? Some do last longer, uh, others not as long. But even still, it would take a long time to get the data for, say, a new product, right? Totally, totally. Uh, and that's actually the most interesting piece of this puzzle. They do something called accelerated testing. Basically, by putting the bulb in a warmer than normal environment and then leaving it on 24-7. We know for each of the pieces of the bulb how much they are affected by heat. So we can know that, for example, uh, if it tends to fail five times faster at 80 degrees Celsius versus 20 degrees Celsius. So if we tested at 80 degrees Celsius for 24 hours a day, uh, rather than the standard three hours per day, now you kind of have a five times uh, you know, five times, uh, eight times together, uh, 40 times acceleration in testing time. Ah, so that's how you speed up time. Great, good to know. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us an email or leave us a review. Our email is eli5, the podcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five on Reddit. We will see you all next week.